Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. All right, so we have been doing uh, a series this Christmas season called What Child Is This? And the first week, Pastor Chris talked about the humanity of Jesus. And last week, Pastor Gina talked about you know, the kingship of Jesus and his government and, and some of the as- other aspects that we, we read in Isaiah chapter 9, which we'll go to in a second. But as I was, I was praying about this, is, what I want to say is that our goal is not for this to become just another nice Christmas series that we go through. As, as we were praying about what to share, we all felt like, there, like Jesus, you know, Jesus is the center of our attention in the Christmas season, but Jesus has to be at the center of, of what we're, we're preaching, what we're declaring right now. Everything we do as, as a Christian centers on Jesus, but sometimes we need to recalibrate our lives. And I feel like that's what he's doing in, the, in this series, is he wants to recalibrate our lives uh, of who Jesus is. Let me say this. Jesus is the most fascinating being to ever exist. And I say being because he was human being, but he's also God. He's the most fascinating. I was, I was pondering this this week, like, <laughs> he's, it's ridiculous. Our minds cannot comprehend a God who is there at the beginning of time before anything was created. He exists outside of time. And he chose to come and take on, you know, the, the body, the life of a man, die for all of us, be raised to heaven, and then come again. Like, we haven't seen that part of the story yet, but he's coming again. Like, what, what God does that? Jesus does. And it's the, most, it's the most fascinating. He is the most fascinating being there is. And we need to become fascinated with him again. We need to become fascinating, fascinated with who Jesus is. He strikes this mysterious dichotomy between being fully man and fully God. As I was studying this week, I learned... You know, this is for you theological guys out there, or, or women. In theological terms, it's called the hypostatic union. It's the union of God and the union of man in one hypostasis, in one being. There's no one else like Jesus. And so my prayer through, through this series and through what I share today is for us to be transformed by the understanding and by encountering the humanity of Jesus and the deity of Jesus. And as we become fascinated with him, it opens the door to greater transformation in our own lives. So Jesus, help us to become fascinated by you. Help us to to understand, open our our minds, open our, our spirits to understand you and to encounter you. Help us to surrender to who you are. Help us to love you, to be fascinated by you, to have you be our one thing, our one and only. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
So I want to go to our, our core scripture for this series. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So like I mentioned, you know, Pastor Chris a couple of weeks ago talked about the beginning of verse six, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And he, he, he laid out the humanity of Jesus and, and, and the beautiful fact that, that Jesus as man experienced everything that we experience in this life. He's, he experienced pain. He experienced joy. He experienced growth. He, he experienced being persecuted. He, he's gone through everything that each one of you have gone through. And there's a beauty in that. And then last week, Pastor Jana talked about Jesus as king. Jesus as, as the government and the government resting on his shoulders, the weight of, of what he carries as king and who he is as, as the prince of peace and our counselor, the one who speaks to us in need. But what I want to do today is highlight one of the other phrases in, in verse 6 and take us in just a little bit of a different direction today. So one of the descriptions that we get of Jesus in the end of verse 6 is, is mighty God. And the word there in Hebrew is El. And, and in this uh, particular reference to that, or that usage of that word El, it refers to the divine, divine majesty of Jesus. Jesus is divine. Jesus is God. Colossians 2.19 says that in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you know, we probably all know or have heard preaching about the characteristics of, of the divine nature, the characteristics of God, the, the omnis, as I like to call them, the omnipotence, the, the all-powerfulness all of Jesus, the omnipresence, the ever-present nature of who Jesus is, or the omniscience, how he's all-knowing. Jesus is all of those things, but today, I want to focus on one aspect of Jesus' deity, and that is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. We need to rekindle the theology of the Christmas hymns. Of we, you know, we were just singing them. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Or in silent night, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus is Lord. Let's go to Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11. I think we'll have this on the screen. All right. I think you can go one before. We're starting in verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We read in this passage that Jesus became servant of all servants and now is Lord of all lords. In Revelation 19, 16, you know, this, is, this is John's revelation of, of Jesus, the Lamb of God, and, and, and when he's coming again, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And sometimes it can be kind of confusing, like what's, what's the difference between a king and a lord? And, and a king, when, when we're talking about kingship, it, it means that we have dominion, or it means a person has dominion. They have a kingdom. They have a dominion over which they are king. And Jesus is that. He has ultimate authority over, over the world. But a lord... A Lord is one who has ownership. And we can acknowledge Jesus as king. We can recognize his authority and his dominion, but sometimes we don't submit to his ownership. Sometimes we want the, the benefit of living with, within his kingdom without the sacrifice of laying down our life. If you put it, let me put it this way. If you think about our nation, right, or any nation, some people love the benefits of being a citizen of that, of that nation. You know, you have roads that, that are, you know, mostly nice to drive on and they get cleared and you have all this infrastructure that you take advantage of every day. And, and all these benefits, or, or as an American citizen, we have... You know, we have the, the Bill of Rights and we have all these amendments. We have all these rights because we're American citizens. But sometimes we don't want to acknowledge the authority of our governmental leaders. Or sometimes we, we recognize their authority, but we don't want to submit to them. And we can sometimes have the same sort of attitude in the kingdom to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I want to just sidetrack here for a, for a minute. You know, sometimes our, those in authority over us, whether it's in, in the nation, in your workplace, in your school, whatever it might be, sometimes they violate kingdom principles. Sometimes, you know, the, the things that, that they do don't agree with who we are as Christians, and we need to take a stand. We need to take a stand. But what the Lord was speaking to me about is that we need reformation, not rebellion. We need reformers, not rebels. We need Martin Luther Kings and Martin Luther King Juniors and not whatever rebel that you choose. 
God has called us to bring reformation to political systems, to, to reformation to governmental uh, systems, reformation to, to our workplaces and our schools. But reformation comes through a recognition of authority. It comes from us realizing authority and actually submitting to authority, but then speaking truth and using whatever avenue the Lord has given you to create change. Reformation comes through those who are submitted and not rebellious. Amen? Okay, sidetracked on. <laughs> so the phrase, Lord and Savior, is used you know, throughout the word of God and, it, and it's used in our, our, our common speech about you know, someone who's born again. They've accepted Jesus as, as their Lord and Savior, right? In Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But sometimes we stop with the Savior part and we don't give him or don't acknowledge him as Lord. There's a quote from Nate Edwardson, a a pastor that I want to share. It's one thing to experience the kingdom of Jesus. It's another thing to surrender to it. It's not enough to just be saved we must become surrendered. Confessing Jesus as Lord means that we are submitting to his ownership of our lives. He, our life is not our own. We need to surrender our rights. The kingdom of God isn't a democracy like we have in the, in the United States. We don't have a bill of rights in the kingdom. Thankfully, there's a lot of benefits, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but, but we have no rights. When we become born again, we die to ourselves and we become resurrected in Christ. The same way that we read about Jesus, he, he humbled himself, you know, took on the nature of a man. He was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And he's calling us to do the same, to be obedient. You know, for most of you, not unto death, but some he has. And I think this, this, this surrender, this battle with, with submitting to the, the lordship of Jesus in our lives is, is, is the ultimate battle that we have today in our society. Everything tells us in our culture that, that everything revolves around us, right? That everything should cater to our needs. I mean, that's what marketing is, right? It tells you that you need this. Like the, the commercial culture that we live in has, has served to, to make us think, and I'm speaking to myself here too, that, that things revolve around me, but they don't. They revolve around Jesus. Jesus, the Lord of Lords, requires submission in all areas of our lives. He wants our dreams. He wants our finances. He wants our careers. He wants our ministries. He wants our families. He wants our relationships. He wants our thoughts. He wants our attitudes. He wants our bodies. He wants our time. 
He wants all of your and my very being submitted to him. So what does that mean? It's kind of quiet in here. <laughs> Sorry. It means that we don't have to give up. You know, we, we might not have to give up everything. Like some people have taken this lordship and, and like, okay, I'm going to sell everything I have and go live in a cave like a monk or something. And, and that's not what lordship is about. In fact, for many of you, he's actually given you resources in different areas, whether financial, um, you know, ministry, abilities, gifts, callings, all of those things. He's given you those things, but he wants them submitted so that he can build his kingdom through them. We need to be ready to, to freely give as we've freely received. And for some of you, it might mean that you need to give up everything. <laughs> it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of people in our, our church over the past several month, months, and it's just amazing how many of them have just taken a radical shift in their life, how they've been so obedient and said, okay, like for whatever reason, God told me to, to you know, sell my house and move to Fargo. There's been so many stories of that. It's amazing. And, and I've heard stories from this family, our, our Burning Hearts Church, of just radical obedience. And not to put them on the spot, but Caleb and Olivia, many of you, them know, many of you know them. You know, Pastor Caleb, our, our youth pastor. And just radically surrendering their life to, to bring some, some kids into their home that needed a home. That's obedience. That's surrender. That's allowing... Lordship in your life. Surrender is a heart posture that leads to a yes when he speaks into your life. It's not, you know, just like I said, it's not just giving up things. It's not that. It's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle and it's a heart posture that, that when, you're, when you're on your way, when you're doing stuff and then you hear you know, whether you, you hear directly from the Lord or even he uses people to speak into your life, whatever it might be, and you feel, you know, you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit inside of you, and he says, do this, and, you're, and your response is a yes. And he wants to do that in all areas of, of your life. And surrender, this, this, this lifestyle of surrender doesn't mean that he's going to tell you what to do in every little decision. And sometimes we can become paralyzed because we're like, okay, God, what do I do? What do I do? He doesn't, like, okay, Jesus doesn't want to micromanage your life. He just wants it surrendered to him. He's looking for a daily yes and a life that says yes. And to be honest, I'm still in process <laughs> of surrendering all areas of my life. And sometimes we can kind of like compartmentalize things. You know what I mean? We can, we can be surrendered, really surrendered in one area, but there's another area that we like to hold on to control to. And for me, I'm just gonna open up my life for a second. I can honestly say that if I, I was asked to be a pastor, for, for those of you that know, don't know, I've been a pastor for only about nine months here. Prior to that, I was an engineer. But I can honestly say that if Pastor Jana went to me and said, Nate, 
would you consider being a pastor? If she said that two years ago, I probably would have said no. Because I hadn't surrendered my finances to him fully. I hadn't surrendered. And, and like, you know, Lee and I did all the things. We, we tithe, we give, all of that. But I still wanted control. And I still didn't actually trust him in that area of my finances, even though we had what we needed. There was something, there was a part of me that just wanted to hang on and just didn't know. And, and fear would come when, when every, you know, every big bill that came up, these unexpected bills. The reason I, or what showed me that I hadn't surrendered that area is because I would, you know, I would lose it. <laughs> I would lose it. And for, you know, Hopefully this is resonating with some guys out there. I was talking to Pastor Jaina earlier this week and, and we have our things, right? I was talking about finances and she was talking about, yeah, most of, most of the moms or wives, it's like their children is their area that's really hard to surrender to the Lord. And all of you have something, I'm sure, because we're not perfect, we're not Jesus. Just let him... Speak to those areas. He wants you to give up all control. This is an exercise, homework for you. Uh, when I was talking to Jana, she, she mentioned a friend that she had, uh, has that was part of a, a small group and they were doing uh, um, a study on the Lordship of Jesus. And what that study had them do was write down five areas of their life that they hadn't surrendered to Jesus as Lord. So I'll let you guys do that as your homework. But it'll transform your life if you can surrender those areas. So I want to talk, uh, before we, we close, about a major hindrance and a major benefit to surrendering to Jesus as Lord. And it's really neat. We sang about it today. Sometimes we have sur trouble surrendering because we don't have a revelation of the goodness of God, the goodness of who Jesus is. There's this passage that the Lord keeps leading me to in, in different times, and I've talked about it uh, throughout different series that we've done recently. In Exodus chapter 20, so this is where, again, where Moses went up the, the mountain and received the Ten Commandments, and he, he came down, well, while he was up there, there was all this thunder and lightning and all this crazy dark cloud and everything going on. And the Israelites were just like, what is happening up there? And, and, and fear started you know, to grow in their hearts. And, and Moses came down and the Israelites basically said to him, okay, I don't know about this God. You speak to him and tell us what he says. You speak to him and tell us what, what, what he says. And, and the Israelites in that moment, they I mean, they've turned their backs on the Lord. Like the Lord wanted relationship with them, but, but they let fear into their, their heart. And instead of like a, a reverent sort of fear, it was a fear that of, and, and not understanding his goodness. They, they failed to see his goodness uh, as he liberated them from the Egyptians. Can you imagine that being in slavery for 400 years and being broken out, like being this new nation? Like, I think that's a good God that does that. They, they fail to see his goodness in all the signs and wonders, a, a cloud and a, and, and a pillar of fire that followed them around and, and 
uh, a God that gave them food every day, a God that made their clothes not wear out, a God that um, healed all of their sicknesses, like they failed to see his goodness. And that doubt of his goodness ultimately led them into rebellion. If you were here in November when we had Denny Klein in and he spoke, he talked about the goodness of God. And I think we need a restoration of a theology that at its center is the goodness of God. The world has taught us that, that God is either like, you know, at arm's length, he set things in motion and then he's just kind of there, just waiting. Or even worse, the, the world, like society, culture, sometimes this tells us that God causes bad things to happen. That's not true. That's not what the Bible tells us. We forget where we're at in history sometimes. The reality is that, that Jesus, when he came, when he died on the cross, when he was resurrected, it inaugurated his kingdom, right? His kingdom. But, but we live in this tension of the kingdom that is and is not yet. There's a kingdom that is to come, and we're actually in, a, in the midst of a war right now with the, the, the powers of darkness. You know, why, why else would, would Paul tell us in Ephesians to put on the, uh, the armor of God if we're not in the middle of a war? And, and it's, it's the things that are happening because of that war that cause all the stuff that we, that we hate to see. We hate to see sickness. We, we hate to see corruption, all of those things are, are due to the fact that we're at war. It's not, it's not that God is not good. The beautiful thing is that Jesus's assignment is not done. He's coming back and our assignment is not done either. Our assignment as people in the kingdom of God is not done. When we understand the goodness of God, it results in a greater level of trust. And a greater level of trust results in a greater level of obedience. I'll say that again when we, we understand, when we experience the goodness of God, it should result in a greater level of trust in who God is. And a greater level of trust should lead us into a greater level of obedience. There is no one, there is no Lord more worthy and more good than Jesus. He laid down his life for us He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can trust him. He is trustworthy. Some of you needed to hear that. He is trustworthy. Jesus is trustworthy. He's worthy of our lives. He is worthy of everything we have and could ever be. I want to talk about a benefit to surrender. When we surrender to the Lord, he can use us. Let me say it this way. I think I I heard someone else say it. I'm not sure who. But the degree of our authority in the kingdom is directly related to the degree of our surrender. 
The amount of authority that you have is related to how surrendered your life is. And we know, you know, as we, we're joint heirs with Christ, right? The, the Bible tells us that. As we are in the kingdom, we have, we have been given authority. We've been given a measure of authority just by being citizens of the kingdom of God. When we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, we become born again, we have authority because we are joint heirs with Christ. But we can act, we've been given a measure, and that measure can grow by, by the level of our surrender. Jesus, when he came to earth, he went through this process. In John 5.19, you know, he tells us that he could only do what he saw the Father doing. He surrendered his own will to see what the Father was doing and, then, and do that, partnered with what he saw his Father doing. One of my favorite verses, I've shared this, this before, is Luke 2.52. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus had to grow in his own authority. He learned how to surrender to the Father. And, you know, looking through his life, that it, it kind of culminated when he, you know, after he was baptized and, and the Spirit ascended on him, and then it says the Spirit led him to the wilderness Right? And he was tempted uh, by the devil to, to surrender, to actually acknowledge Satan as Lord. But Jesus resisted. And he knew what was to come. And he came out of that, that submission to the Father with great authority and started moving in great power. Again, in Philippians 2, Jesus became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself for you and I. Jesus modeled complete surrender and perfect obedience. Surrender is impossible to demonstrate without obedience, and obedience requires humility. I'll say it another way. Your obedience, if you obey and when you obey, is an indicator for your level of surrender. Obedience isn't easy, but it's good. And the Lord wants to speak to you. I want to share quickly just a, a funny story about something the Lord was leading me. You know, he was wanting me to be obedient to, and I can be kind of stubborn sometimes, as probably all of us can. But this goes, goes back to my college days and... Uh, I did my, my master's degree in engineering, in mechanical engineering. And if you know how master's degrees work, you, you, you go, you write this paper, a thesis paper, and you defend your thesis. You give this talk, or this giant paper. And so I had done that. I had done all my classes, and I, I gave my thesis defense. And then you submit the, the paper to the graduate school, and then they go in and they mark it all up, and, and they make you basically rewrite it again after you've, you've done all that. And I had, given my, I had given my thesis, and I was just like, Lord, I've had enough. I am sick of school. I don't want to do, <laughs> I don't, I don't do this. So that was in, in the spring. I'd, I'd done that. And all summer, I've just like, I, you know, I felt that tug, like, I need to get this done. But I'm just like, uh, I don't want to do it. And then finally that fall, it was kind of funny. Some, actually, some people that, that go to church here, uh, Josh Mormon, good friends with him, and, and Joe Mormon. I was driving to their house one night, and I got pulled over. 
And I'd never been pulled over in my life, like speeding or anything. And it, it was simply a headlight out. I was like, okay, this is like, you know how your heart just starts pumping and all that. And then I, I went and I hung out with Josh, watched a movie and some other friends. And then I go home that night. I lived downtown at the time. Driving home, I got pulled over again. And I had a headlight out. I did, once again, never been, never been pulled over in my life. Then I get onto Main Avenue and I got pulled over again. I got pulled over three times in one night. And I remember like getting home, I'm like, this is a warning. I had a, war- I had a fix it, you know, like a warning ticket, fix it ticket. And I, re- I was like, oh, okay. The next week I started working on my paper and I got it done within two weeks. <laughs> you know, I, I share that as a funny story, but some of you, the Lord is calling you to obedience in an area. Don't get to the point where you need a warning like that. All right? Revelation 2.26. This is to the church in, in Thyatira. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. And this is to us. Our, our level of, of obedience, our level of surrender affects our authority now, but it affects our authority in eternity. Chris, if you want to come up. Following Jesus isn't easy. He never said it would be. In fact, he used like really provocative language about when he talked about what it takes to follow him. But it is good. Jesus is worthy of following. I want to read a quote to you. This is from a man named Alan Hirsch. And this is from a book he wrote. At the center and circumference of every significant Jesus movement, there exists a very simple confession. Though simple, it is one that fully vibrates with the primal energies of the scriptural faith. Namely, that of the claim of the one God over every aspect of life and the response of his people to that claim. The way that this was expressed in the New Testament and later movements was simply, Jesus is Lord. With this simple confession, they changed the world. They changed the world. The way that this was expressed in the New Testament and later movements was simply, Jesus is Lord. With this simple confession, they changed the world. In Matthew 28, and Jesus gave the great commission. And we are commissioned by Jesus himself to change the world. But it starts with acknowledging him as Lord. One surrendered life in this room could transform a family. It could transform a workplace. It could transform a city. It could even transform a nation. What, what might Jesus be calling you to surrender? Can I have everyone stand up?
just want to lead us through a, a few things in prayer. The first one is just simple repentance. For not surrendering to Jesus as Lord in different areas of our life. And I know we all have something that needs to be more surrendered, that needs to have control uh, released. So I pray over that. Father, Jesus, we submit to you as Lord of our lives. And we just ask forgiveness, God, for the things that we've held on to, the things that we, the areas of our lives where we've wanted control. And God, right now, we lay them at your feet. We lay them at your feet. Our lives are yours. Forgive us. Forgive us, Jesus, of taking control and not submitting to you as Lord and owner of our life. If you're feeling that, that the Lord is wanting you to surrender something just in, a, in an act of obedience, I just invite you to come up. Come up front. The Lord honors your obedience. The altar is open. He wants laid down lives. He wants surrendered lives. He wants a, a lifestyle of yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are Lord. You are good. You are good. Father, I thank you for the, the surrendered lives in this room. And Father, I pray that these acts of surrender right now would actually shift. They would shift individual lives, that they would, they would shift the dynamic in, in family relationships, that they would shift the dynamic in schools, that they would shift the dynamic in our cities, that they would shift the dynamic in our nation, God, that the yes in these people's hearts would echo in heaven right now. And they say, here I am, use me. Here I am, use me. I submit to you as Lord of my life. God, let it be our cry. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are good, and you are Lord. I felt a couple of things that, that the Holy Spirit was just highlighting. One of them is, is I feel like there, there's someone in this room that he's calling that he's calling to missions. And I don't know who that is, but as, as you surrender, 
he will do it. He will do it. So Father, I pray over that calling, the nation or nations that are, that are on people's hearts, God. Lord, I pray for every, every provision, everything they need, whether it's soon or whether it's 20 years in the future. There's a yes in their heart, God. Honor it. And I also felt for that there's some of you that this is ministry related that you know you might be kind of uh, in the latter parts of your life, and for whatever reason so- something happened, um, and you, you just stepped out of God's calling. The Lord wants to restore that today as you surrender to him as Lord again. So if that's you, just give it to him. Just surrender your life. Say yes again. The giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. So Father, I pray for those. This act of surrender right now. Restore to them the years that the, the locusts and the cancer worm have taken and use them in new and mighty and powerful ways, more than they could ask or even imagine, God. Restore, restore, bring restoration right now. Bring restoration right now. Father, I pray for restoration of families right now. In Jesus' name, restoration of families as we're going into this season where we celebrate you and families come together. Lord, I pray there are phone calls this week that, that bring restoration and reconciliation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.